Hello everybody and welcome to Brunvagoon, you will not get there on a road bike. But there where? Far there. There far. You will know more about it. You will know more about it because today I have a great interview and uh, you will discover some new places and some uh, new nuances of content production, nerding and geeking on really uh, unusual topics, I would say. You will know more. You will know more. It. First of all, sorry, sorry, sorry to everybody. I have a bit uh, scratchy voice this week. I got a cold because coming back from my birthplace from the south of Italy here to Zurich I left 15 17 degrees even without bike I'm gonna tell you a bit more and uh, here in Zurich I found back around minus two minus three with snow that's why actually my body got a bit hidden by this cold that I have but that's not interesting first of all thanks to 3T another um, year some more months of great adventure together. Our collaboration continues and uh, I'm super happy of continue riding my 3T Explorer. 3T Explorer that was with me for the first ride of the year. It was the 2nd of January, so the day after I arrived back here to Zurich and I went out in some gravels and whatever and uh, I got a bit this adventure out there, not because of the bike, but only because I'm completely stupid. If you want to know more about it, hit me up on my contacts and I will let you know personally what happened. I don't think it's interesting for everybody on doing it here. So contact me, super easy. Hello at calamaro.cc, that's my email. And the Instagram.com, so my Instagram handle is calamaro.cc as well as the Facebook one, while the Twitter is readcalamaro. So twitter.com slash readcalamaro. And then you can follow this podcast on Spreaker, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Classic thing, look for Broomwagon or Broomwagoon, and you will find me and uh, all my stuff, contact, contacts and content uh, that you would love to have. Um, what else? Yeah, please, people, because it's the new resolution for the year. I'm not a resolution guy, and you will know more about that, but new resolution of the year for you, not for me, I don't care, uh, is comment please, on iTunes uh, podcasts, or sorry, Apple Podcasts, put something like a rating or stuff like this on my podcast, please do it. This is the only way that I can share a bit more of this content. And same thing, please share it with everybody. It's really, 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 really appreciated. And subscribe or do whatever you need. Um, what I want to tell you more, I don't want to be super long here because the episode is already super long, the interview. Just the thing that I want to tell you is that, okay, I wrote down a bit of a list of uh, uh, the things that I want to do this year, something like a calendar. I believe that I'm going to write it down also on my uh, um, website, uh, Calamaro CC, my kind of blog is not used so much anymore because I'm super focused on the content production here on the podcast. But anyways, on Calamaro CC, I'm going to write the list as well. Uh, please have a look to it. I'm going to, once it is ready, I'm going to put the link here below in this episode of the next one. Uh, otherwise, you can find almost everything on my Instagram account. If you have any tip or if you want to see me in your event or if you have a great event that you have done last year, two years ago, that you want to share with me because I need to participate to that. 
whatever or even i don't know uh some good places to discover uh on the bike on a gravel bike on a road bike some great passes that nobody does or um sneak peek roads on the left hand side or the right hand side just let me know and uh, i will try to cover this one and also to do some pictures to create something over there and uh yes to talk about it in this podcast. So please do it. Anyways, next days I'm gonna put everything on Calamaro CC and uh, yeah, we will find together a solution. Probably the first appointment that I have is gonna be in the 15th of April, around the 15th of April for La Resistente, the amazing ride organized by my really good friend Lele to remember all the victims of the Nazi fascists back to Italy, especially in Romagna. Stay tuned, you're gonna find more about it. Yes. Anything else to say? Nothing. Just to introduce this interview, the episode of today. Well, finally, after some time... Actually, um, let's do it in that way. I was always a fan of Far Ride magazine since almost the beginning, um, reading their blog and uh, having my uh, having their magazine on my hands and then finally this year back to october in mallorca i got to meet uh, sogon who is the main person the main editor editor-in-chief i think is the name anyways he's the one uh, far right magazine really popped up on his mind from his brain and uh is his son creature or whatever and we met in mallorca and we agreed that we had to do an episode of the podcast i wanted to speak with him about how everything started how everything started his travel that are amazing and uh, everything behind it finally we have done it and now is everything here so we can say broom you will not get there far there on a road bike. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm super happy because I have here with me uh, a great friend of mine. We met together at the Torres de Gravel in September, October, whatever, uh, late, <laughs> early autumn uh, in Torres de Gravel in Mallorca. And it became to come out being uh, the person behind one of the best cycling, if not the best cycling magazine around in the landscape of cycling adventure and stuff. I'm here together with Sogon. Hi, Sogon, how are you doing? Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. Tell me if Sogon or Sogon is the right pronunciation, because I always make mess. It's, um, I think it's Sogon. Sogon. <laughs> a very American way of saying it. But um, yeah, it's, there's really no right way to say it, because it, it is actually my Korean name. Okay. And it's, you know, the, um, the way I spell it is, it sort of mimics the the way how Koreans say my name. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I, I come to realize that it's, you know, people started, you know, pronouncing it differently and uh, there's just really no right way to do it. <laughs> but yeah, so gone is, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say so gone. Okay, exactly, so gone. Also because it's perfect for me because I'm making mistakes only on your first name and not on your surname because the surname is Yon, right? Yun, yeah. You, you see, yeah. I can also mispronounce okay. yeah. easy thing. No, it's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, I have a brand and Stefano making interview means mistaking all name and surname. But yeah, Sogon is perfect. How are you doing, boy? Everything cool? I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I, it's, uh, it's around 6 p- 6.30 p.m. here in Seoul, Korea. Um, it's pretty chilly here. It's a, it's a cold winter. And um, 
that I've I've had a few meetings all day, um, and uh, picked up my kids from daycare, uh, and I sort of locked them up in their room um, with their mother, and they're just because I didn't want them to make a loud noise outside. I'm I'm actually in my office inside my house, but I didn't want them to because they usually get really loud. So I sort of locked them up in their room, and uh, they're gonna have their own party there. And, uh, I'll have this interview here. Yeah. Yeah. Just to put everything in a context, uh, I would say that for me here in Switzerland is ten thirty four a.m. of the second of January. So happy New Year. Happy New Year too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is gonna be the second episode of the Broom Vegan uh, for two thousand nineteen, and I'm super happy that I'm kicking off all awesome. these things so a lot of adventure out there i still need to say did you do it already uh, did you put something like i don't know on a piece of paper all the list of the things that you want to do in 2019 talking about adventure stuff i usually am really bad on doing this thing i'm pretty spontaneous and they try to pick up stuff around i try to put a list and they never accomplish it yeah for my for me i mean I, i'm i'm sort of the same way like i never you know come up with like a, a list of things to do for the for the new year, I never really, I'm not really the type of person to, because I, I, I feel like um, if, if you, if you come up with like uh, a resolution for, for, to, to better yourself, I think you should do it on, uh, as you go, like I, you know, because there's always moments for enlightenment and if you feel like you need to, 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 to better yourself or develop certain skills, you should, you should uh, make a plan when when the uh the idea strikes so you never you know i, I honestly i haven't really made uh new resolutions ever <laughs> in my lifetime but yeah yeah me neither i can tell you i am completely sincere on that also because um if you need something so if you need new skills for a new project to do you will recognize them on the go so exactly. mm -hmm. so doesn't make so much sense something like a resolution that i try to do really often actually this is something that is always in my mind i don't write it down but something that is always in my mind i need to be a better mechanic for the bicycle but it, it will never happen so now i really don't do it anymore but that's another story just watch youtube videos if you need to do yeah, something exactly. maybe you need to replace your crank set or something yeah <laughs> okay it's a great point. Yeah, it's a great point. So yeah, um, apart from the chitty chatting that I always love, give us an introduction of yourself, Sogon. So yeah, I, I'm. My name is Sogon Yoon. I was born in Korea, uh, and um, I spent most of my life uh, in the states. I lived in the states for 23 years, um, and just recently moved back to Korea, where I was born. Um, uh, I am, uh, by training, I am a project manager. I've been in the IT industry for 10 years before I moved back to Korea. Um, and by trade, I feel like I'm a content creator. Okay. And I have a small magazine called Far Right. Ah, exactly. A small magazine. An amazing small independent magazine. Yes. Maybe this one is a good starting point for our talk. So, okay, I really appreciate your IT experience or whatever, but we're here talking about bicycles. So, sorry, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, because IT, I believe that is uh, all over our life and project management and computers and Gantt charts or stuff like this is 
all over our brains in the all our days. So let's go on the enjoyment. Let's go on exploring the world on top of our bicycle and let's meet new people on the bicycle, amazing sure, people. Sure. Happen to us. That's yeah. the best thing. But in this kind of thing, you know, we put together two different aspects. So we were talking about um, the internet, the IT, project management, all the informatic work on one side. And then on the other side, a paper magazine. Right. Why? I know that this is kind of, that's a really lazy question from my side, but in this kind of situation, you know, Instagram and then double liking and then add something even shorter into Instagram stories and Snapchat and mm-hmm. really everything really, really fast, you decided to go on paper. You decided to go offline with a magazine. Tell me more about that. Well, I, you know, I always had a, had this idea of creating a platform for for cycling content, um, and that idea sort of uh, uh, sprung off when I started cycling um, uh, back in two thousand eleven ish. So I haven't really been cycling for that long, uh, but when I started cycling, I sort of like fell in love with it, like everyone else does, and uh, uh, I started. I found myself preaching to people that this is such a great sports such a great activity you should you should join the movement and you know that sort of became my passion and i was like you know if i mean i'm I'm sort of limited to just talking to people that are in my network why don't i create a create a, a a platform for this great cycling content that inspires other people to 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 go cycling on their own so yeah, I, yeah, I thought about doing a web blog or, you know, maybe creating a social media channel mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, because obviously that's that gives you uh, a bigger reach to people, and uh, that's just just how how things are. People are more accustomed to to uh, uh, looking at fo- photographs and and reading contents on their phone or on their computers, but. Um, when I thought more and more about it, you know, I felt like because the way things are consumed on digital platforms, you know, if I'm spending so much time and effort creating content, I felt like they were getting sort of wasted rather than being appreciated. Because, you know, if you think about it, you, you do it every day on your Instagram feed, you flick through photos quite quickly. And you may be liking a whole bunch of photos uh, while you're uh, scrolling through your feed, but you don't remember what you saw. You know, you never remember what you read. I'm telling you, like, if you try to, like, I've spent a few minutes here today on my Instagram feed, but I can never remember what I actually saw or read. So those were sort of the the points that, like, you know, took me away uh, from these digital uh, media platforms, because because if I my thought process was that if I if I create a print media, it sort of uh, uh, encourages people to sit down first of all, and then while they're flipping through the pages, they're spending enough time, and while they're touching the paper, um, feeling the paper, the texture of the paper, they're actually sort of. Uh, uh, creating this intimate uh, relationship with the with the, the book itself so 
I thought that would be a better platform. And I, didn't, I wasn't really trying to be a commercial platform where I needed to reach a certain number of uh, readers. So, so yeah, that's why <laughs> the paper magazine. On the point, if I can, I want to stress mm -hmm. a bit on your answer over there. You were saying, okay, if you're building something or if you're following something that is on your Instagram feed or um, on a blog, whatever, online, uh, you are wasting a bit of quality of the things. If I can put another point on that, is that usually uh, you are really flipping and scrolling um, the Instagram pages or whatever online while you are doing something else. And this doesn't give uh, enough attention to the media that you are consuming and also to the people <laughs> that you are talking with mm -hmm. while you are doing something offline and then put for sure a magazine on it, a book on the other side, watching as well, I don't know, a documentary or stuff on the TV or listening to a podcast. Sorry, but I have to say that. Mm -hmm. You are actually putting all your full attention on what you are doing is what actually uh, is the classical thing of the communication world, you know? You're putting yeah, all your attention yeah. on it and you're going to talk with other people while you're having a conversation about the experience that you got consuming that medium. Because exactly. I've never talked personally about anything. I don't know. You know what? I've seen this Instagram picture yesterday that was amazing. Never done it. But on the mm -hmm. other side, while I talk with people, I really, really often mention, you know, the documentary that I've seen yesterday, or, uh, you know, I was reading an article on Far Ride that was talking about Tokyo, like, I don't know, a city of exploration with a bike, or uh, this amazing travel across Canada, For sure. you know? Yeah, sure. And, and also, you know, if, you want to, if you want to talk about quality, um, the, the photographs that you see on your digital screen is at 72 DPI at best. Meaning okay. you see 72 dots per inch, um, and whereas we print at 400 dpi. So people might not realize it right away, but you're actually getting a, so much more information on a piece of paper rather than your smartphone screen. So that's also something to think about. Yeah, exactly. It's quality of consuming the content in total. Not only quality of the tie, but also quality of the of the image itself. You were actually really briefly touching the point of the paper. The thing that happened to me when I uh, really flipped the pages of your magazine is really having an amazing feeling of my fingers as well. While yes, yes. So you're printing everything in a huge quality in general. How did it come out? Well, well, the well, the let me try to organize my thoughts first of all. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry. How, how, how did it come about? You're asking. Yeah. Well, um, so like I, I, I was never in the in the editorial or printing business ever before I started Far Ride. Um, so I sort of had, had to teach myself how to, to, to design a book, first of all. First of all, how to put together uh, content so that I can, I can put it in an editorial space. Also, I had to learn how to, to, to create data for, for printing. And then I also learned, I, I, I mean, I, I never printed myself, but when I was working with printers, I sort of had to learn the process of printing, uh, you know, uh, offset printing to be, to be exact. And, um, you know, and how papers get, you know, 
fed through through the printers. They go through each different stations for each different colors. You know, we we print in four different colors, and and how to sort of uh, QA the outcome, and then how the books get binded and stuff like that. Um, and in the process of that, I sort of learned how to. I, I learned that choosing the right paper uh, is um, has a lot to do with your printing quality because certain papers uh, uh, project certain colors better, and certain um, papers give you this certain feel while you're touching the texture of the paper especially so all that sort of plays into the your whole experience of reading a magazine so yeah it was it was a quite a challenge uh and and i'm still learning i can't really say that i'm an expert you know i've only been in this uh, business for three and a half year now so you know i'm still learning and uh but yeah it's it's uh it was quite an interesting challenge yeah, does it answer your question? I'm not. I wasn't really sure about your question. Like, uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. The point I wanted to stress over there mm-hmm, was okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna ask you the second question. So mm-hmm. it was, how do you choose mm-hmm. the paper for your magazine? So why you decided to go yeah. so okay. so high okay. in the quality? Because you were not mm-hmm. satisfied of the paper that you had on your yes. magazine that you were reading before, or because you found perfect um, different qualities and better qualities that reflect something else, and you answered this to me about the colors and stuff. And how do you see this in the future? Well, yeah. So when I first, uh, when I was first starting, when I was actually fr- printing my first, very first magazine, um, I went to I went to uh, a few different paper galleries that are here in Seoul. So these paper galleries are sort of like a showroom for the paper distributors. And they have like tons and tons of papers that you can actually touch and feel and flip through. And they have some examples of uh, those papers being uh, made into books and stuff like that. So I spent like days going through papers. And my... You know, I, I almost lost my fingerprint, <laughs> like really feeling and touching the papers, you know, flipping through different papers and trying to understand how, you know, how the feels sort of like uh, translate into consuming the content that are printed on the paper. But anyhow, uh, and then I sort of narrowed down to a few uh, that I thought were good. And, and and I had some I had some specifications that I was trying to fulfill. Uh, first of all, I needed uh, papers that, that um, show colors well. So, um, and these are the colors that have usually have chemical coating on the paper and they're not natural papers. A lot of uh, magazines, and it was quite trendy to use matte papers, when I, especially when I first started out. Uh, but these matte papers, they, they absorb the ink so that the colors sort of fade after you print it and once the ink things dry up so and didn't want that but at the same time i didn't want like really really glossy paper because then you don't really feel what's beneath the 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 chemical coating and you don't really feel like you're touching the paper and i really wanted that feel so my um my best um uh option was to choose something that was in between and then i went with a, a rough gloss paper and and these are the papers that sort of retain the rough uh, surface texture of paper and still have chemical coating on it. So when you actually print photography on it, the colors would actually pop, but at the same time, you actually feel like you're 
touching a piece of paper. So that's what we, when we first printed, um, the first two volumes we were printed on met papers because those were quite trendy at the time. But I, I, I didn't really like the images that were being printed on those papers. And so I resorted to this rough gloss breed. I mean, I've always been, I've changed uh, quite a few times the actual type of paper that I've printed, but I've always stayed within this realm of rough gloss paper. So uh, for the first um, nine volumes, I've printed on Japanese uh, rough gloss papers. And now, because I now I print in uh, Europe, um, okay. I'm printing on Scandinavian uh, papers now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're geeking out on papers. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? Because I want to go a bit <laughs> in really the geeky part. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about paper anymore. Okay. Just good. Sure. Good. <laughs> but I because talk all I really... about papers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I just want to tell you something else because I'm really, really uh, attracted by this topic about stuff that is offline and the printing side. Mm -hmm. How was the project on the other side, the design, yeah, the design project, the how to shape out the magazine? And I want to talk a bit more about how did you decide the font that you are printing? Uh, yeah, so that's, so that's also, uh, I, you know, I can never say that I'm an expert in, these, in, the, in this area. You know, I've worked with a few different designers over the course. And I am actually looking to to change the design a bit going into the next volume. Um, but really? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually looking to change. I've always been doing this because I feel like I never, I never really felt like I had a visual identity of far right. I was, and I don't want to say that, but I, I felt like I was in the process of finding that identity, that visual identity of far right. And I'm still in the process of finding it. So, so I don't want to just stick with one design scheme for a long while. I want to test a few different, um, design, uh, uh, um, schemes until I actually find something that I can stick with sort of like how, you know, some of the magazines that's been running for years and years, they sort of have this design identity of the magazine. Uh, I think that's a good thing, but we're still in an era in, in the phase where we're we're finding our identity. So yeah, I think it's we're, I'm in the process of doing that. Uh, anyhow, uh, but I was working with a few different designers over the course, and and um, you know I didn't want to 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 direct the way designs uh, was being done because I'm not a designer, and I don't want to don't want to draw a line on a screen and say, use that line or use this grid or use this frame or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't want to come up with like font, font and, and, and force it down to the designer so that they have to use it. But I, but what I was going for was that I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it too much. I was going for minimalistic, not because that's what everyone's trying to get into nowadays. And that's the trendy way of doing things, but because um, I wanted the, the content wanted the contents to shine. Like I wanted to put focus and highlight on the contents. If I'm showing photography on a full spread, I just wanted the photography there and nothing else. So those were sort of the approach. And also with the fonts, uh, I was choosing the fonts that read better. 
Like if I'm going with a text heavy content, I wanted to find fonts that were most easy, e easiest to, to read with. Does that make sense? <laughs> Makes sense completely. Um, if I can, if I can give you a key, and it's the key how I always read the far right magazine mm -hmm. uh, about the visual identity and something. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think that is nothing really genius that is coming out from my mouth. It's just what it is, what I've seen. Uh, is that, in my opinion, if I have to describe in a few words uh, the, the the visual identity of the design identity of far right is amazing content in a white background. Really, yes, the why also the white background is really part of the identity, I believe, of Far Right because it's giving a lot of more quality on the content itself. It's written words or the picture themselves, also the characters, amazing, uh, really amazing shaping of the characters out of there. And this comes out really on a white background. Why that can be a figurative thing, but also a physical thing is really white. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I like the way you put it. Yeah. So let's go with that. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Uh, okay. We are really nerding a lot about uh, the printing thing and probably we can have something like, I don't know, a smooth transaction into the cycling world. Sure. The question that always comes into my mind mm -hmm. is, uh, because I didn't figure it out and I said, okay, why not to ask directly to Sog on that? Is Far Right Magazine an excuse to ride the bicycle or is the bicycle an excuse to produce the Far Right Magazine? If it makes sense. Yeah, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, but it's also, it's, it's, it's a bit tough for me to, to give you a clear answer to this because uh, the magazine started out um, with the passion of cycling. Like, like I told you in the beginning, I was talking to pe people. I was, I was pr practically, I was basically preaching uh, cycling to to my friends and, and families, family members. Um, but then when it became a a full blown business model of uh, publishing a magazine, uh, then then it, it it is there's a lot more about uh, running a, a, a magazine business than just cycling now for me, if you ask me now this question. Yeah. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? I, I'm not quite confident. If uh, I did answer yeah, I think, I think it is. Let's mm -hmm. say everything started for pitching the bicycle adventure on a magazine. And right now you're taking more care about the publication itself because you don't have enough time for writing the bike. Does yeah, make sense? I think what I wanted to say is that I'm not writing enough. <laughs> okay, let's make exactly. Uh, just come out with this thing. Okay, everybody of us doesn't really ride enough the bicycle. Yeah, because a lot of people things. think that I do all these crazy rides like all the time, and they feel like they think that I have this dream job that they always, you know, dream about, like going into all these remote places, all these cool places, and riding these awesome bikes that are sponsored by all these great companies. But like, that is really not what I do. A lot of work that I do are being done on while I'm sitting down on a desk. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then let's go on this direction because it's amazing because, um, reading through, yeah, for sure you're not super active, let's say on social media stuff. This means that you're really living your life in a proper way. So great. Yeah. But reading through 
the magazine, mm-hmm. uh, you go into amazing travels in, I don't know, Mongolia, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if I can actually uh, spell this one. Shakalin. Uh, Shakalin, yeah. Shakalin. Mm-hmm. So amazing and remote part of the world. Yeah. Now you are saying that your, all your day is not all about uh, all on that. I can completely understand because it would be exhausting on the other side. But t- saying that, so how do you choose how and where to go? Because I can understand that, for example, Mongolia can be something inspiring to go. But what about Canada from side to side uh, in a period of the year where it's super snowy and super windy? And also Shakalin, that was actually the first time that I read about that. It was on the number 10 of Far Right magazine. How did you choose to go there? How do you choose to go there? And which yeah. one are the mm. things? Yeah. I don't necessarily have a strategy on choosing my destination um, or formula, so to say. But uh, uh, I sort of uh, sit down a- in my office and and um, I just I don't know. There, most of these most of these trips were planned sort of spontaneously. So for uh, for Sri Lanka, I mean, I've been to a lot of places. And I've made a lot of bike trips over the last three, four years. Um, I've traveled a lot in Europe. I've traveled a lot in U.S., Australia, other parts of Asia, and stuff like that. But for Sri Lanka, I wanted to go there because this land was was um, was like a like, there are a lot of uh, UNESCO uh, heritage sites in, in Sri Lanka, and I I wanted to go visit those and. And and it sort of like started from there. But what if I could cycle in Sri Lanka and from point A to point B, but points being the all these UNESCO heritage sites? What if I could cycle to visit all these UNESCO sites that are in Sri Lanka? That would be a great trip. So it sort of started from there. Mongolia is a bit different because Mongolia, I I want to uh, uh, to cover. Uh, this uh, this uh, mountain bike race in Mongolia called Mongolian Bike Challenge. It's an awesome event, and if anybody's interested, they should definitely look it up. But I was there to to cover this event so that I can run it in my magazine. But when I went there, and when I saw the landscape, and this was back in 2016 when gravel bikes were getting really, really popular, and this was a mountain bike race, by the way, that the event that I was um, covering. And I thought to myself, if I can come back here with a gravel bike, it would be an awesome ride. So, so I talked to one of the local um, Mongolian dude that somehow knew how to speak Korean. So, so it all started from there. And I told him like, if I come back here with a bunch of bikes and cyclists, would you be able to put together a route and maybe some support system? And then he, and then he was like, yeah, just come back. And I was like, so I came back exactly the next year and did this ride from north, northern Mongolia to to southern part of Mongolia, which is Gobi Desert, and it was it was an awesome ride, painful because a lot of washboarding, but awesome ride. And if I would I go back there with a gravel bike, probably not, probably with a mountain bike, but nonetheless, it was a great ride. Canada, this is a this is there's a funny story when I uh, when we when I was planning for this trip in Canada, uh, a, friend, yeah. a friend of mine, friend of mine, and, he, and this guy's Canadian. And he's, he's been living in Seoul for like three, four years, and he was actually finally uh, making his way back home. And he was asking me about a trip 
in in uh, in uh, Croatia because I was there to to cover this uh, uh, a few a few different routes in Croatia. Awesome climbing in Istria, by the way. Uh, but yeah, he was asking me about Croatia because he was thinking about uh, going on for a cycling trip in Croatia and then go back to Canada, uh, which is his home. And I was like, man, you should scratch Croatia and just cycle back from here to Canada. And obviously you can't do that because you have to, you know, cross the Pacific ocean. But what you can't, what, what I told them, what we, what we could do. And I sort of like put myself into, threw myself into the situation. And I told them we could probably ride from Vancouver to St. John, which is like the, 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 the most easternmost part of uh Canadian continent. Obviously there's uh Newfoundland where, yeah. you know, you, you sort of have to like, right up north to go around to get to newfoundland but you know if we ride from vancouver to st john which is his home that would be a great ride and he was like let's do it so that that's so that sort of became the whole 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 plan uh but, but what we sort of overlooked was the weather uh because he was he was he was done with his his, his work in in korea uh, by the end of February, and we were riding from the beginning of March, which was still very, very cold in Canada. It, it was a, a proper, proper winter by the time we started. So it was one of the coldest rides I've ever done. Would I ever do it again? Probably not. Probably when the weather is nicer, but Canada is really, really beautiful. The landscape, the people, people are nice for the most part. And yeah, it's great. Sahalin, um, Sahalin, I was I sort of running out of ideas. And by then, I wasn't really doing a lot of trips, so I was sort of like, I was sort of losing my touch. So uh, what I actually did was I was, I was actually losing, uh, I was looking up uh, in Google Map, and mm -hmm. I sort of wanted to do like a, a, a winter fat bike ride in, in, in Alaska. But I've already covered Alaska in like, in, in volume one or volume two, and I didn't want to go back there. And fat biking isn't so hot right now, even though I feel like it's really interesting if you find the right environment to ride those bikes in. But anyhow, um, so yeah, I was sort of like drifting away from Alaska because like, mm, yeah, I've already, I've already done that. So I was sort of like following these like uh, groups of islands uh, and making my way over towards the east. And then I hit, hit Russian continent and I sort of like, scroll down to find this island that is sort of off the side of um, a Russian eastern eastern coast of Russia and north of Japan. And then I thought, man, this is interesting. And I sort of dug in and, and this island had a very, very inter interesting historical, his historical facts. First of all, it was back in the days it was Japan. It was, bo it was both occupied by Japanese people and Russian people. Uh -huh. And Sahalin is sort of like a, a an island uh, where uh, a lot of these like political refugees were sort of sent to. So they have this like very very it has this very very interesting history to it, and I and that sort of sparked the whole planning of going to Sahalin. And and if you're gonna cycle in Russia, make sure you are with somebody who knows how to speak Russian because it's gonna okay, be okay really, because nobody speaks other language in the there, rural, right? rural Russia. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Uh, just to go on this direction as well, because it's pretty clear how you choose uh, your uh, rides over there, how you choose your countries over there, 
and I believe that the magic word over there is randomly. Yeah, Don't need to go deep on that. It's pretty clear and it's really magical. So I love it. But how do you choose then people that are riding with you <laughs> on these countries then and these on those adventures? Yeah, that's also I I have a like I've met a quite a few friends uh, over the last four years while I was traveling for far ride. Um and uh, you know I you know I, I really feel like I'm fortunate enough to have this network of cyclists who are stoked about the idea of these rides that I put together and they sort of you know like when I introduced an idea idea about going on a bike trip in all these remote places they're usually stoked and they're like man I, I would love to do that ride and so I just sort of like personally reach out to these people and then see, you know, see if they're available. Sometimes I reach out on on, on Instagram, like through uh, direct message, and, and uh, ask a bunch of uh, different cyclists who who would be a good fit. And I, I can't really. It's normally a gut feeling when I reach out to somebody, but like, uh, I don't. It's it's you know, I, I'm not really trying to uh, put together a fashion photo shoot, you know. So I think um, if that person understands um, that, you know, having a good vibe is, you know, an, an important element to uh, uh, a fun cycling journey, then, then yeah, then I'm willing to ride with those people. So, so this is... This is it's very spontaneous. I'm really sorry. I don't really have a strategy or a formula to this. Amazing. This with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I just reach out okay. like to all these people. And if they're available, like, yo, let's go. Let's go for a ride. It's sort of like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> great. Great. Um, so, okay. Uh, mostly for you, it's kind of discovering new places, adventure, exploring, and stuff like this. But would you see yourself? Um, riding in one of those famous events out there and talking about, I don't know, Trans-Am, Transcontinental Race, uh, Silk Road Mountain Race, uh, I don't know, whatever, you know? Uh, do, you see, do you see uh, the ultra distance races or events? Uh, yeah, more or less this. Even if there are few of them that are pretty, pretty different, you know, because these are really ultra endurance uh, races or there are stuff that are a bit more discovering or whatever. There is a huge spectrum of solution out there. But would you see yourself in this kind of situation, something a bit more organized, something a bit more spontaneous? Or you prefer to organize your own stuff only for reporting them and show to people stuff that they are not seeing around? Mm. Also to yourself, not only to people. Uh, um, I, well, first of all, I'm not a racer and I don't really feel like, I don't really think that I am an ultra-endurance rider at all. Like I, I've done long rides before, but I'm not... I'm not the most like fit cyclist. Like if you if you have ridden with me, you probably know that I'm not the the fastest or strongest. No, I cannot, man, because I was behind you. Yeah, so like you know, okay, so we're in that category. I was even less fit, you know. We're in that category now. So um, but yeah, uh, but um, I love these events, and I actually have ridden in in one of these events before, and. 
and the sort of ex- I, I, I I get why people are so stoked about these events and why these events are so hot now because uh, it's a complete disconnect from your routine life. First of all, I mean any any cycling trips are like that, but at the same time, it sort of puts you in this environment where you're you're constantly looking for solutions because you're in this remote places and you're not you're not um you're not a local you know you're a complete stranger in this in this in this place and you have to completely support yourself and you don't get help from the organizers so so it's a great feeling of achievement once you complete these rides and whether you you finished it on time or not it's it's a great uh feeling of achievement at the same time it's an adventure that and with uh, so much so much memory that you can take back home with so 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 i love these events uh and if you were to to pick one event that i actually want to do is the japanese odyssey i i have been uh been following this race for three years now and the two organizers are my close friends emmanuel and guillaume in in uh in strasbourg uh, france and they're not from japan but this 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 event happens in japan and okay um i think it's probably the only ultra endurance event that happens on this side of the world so i know there is silk road but that's Central Asia. So if you're looking at this side of the the world on the, the east, Eastern Asia, there's only this event in Japan. I, I think there is one or two maybe popping up in, in China, uh, but I'm not sure if it has the sort of the same um, mechanics with uh, other other uh, uh, races. But this this Japanese Odyssey, is uh, the format of the race is quite similar to all these other uh, ultra endurance races that are already quite popular now, and um, even though it's a quite small race, um, it's it's very tough. Uh, they don't make it easy at all. And I've actually participated in two thousand seventeen as a rider. Um, okay. But I didn't finish it because I had to come back. There was some something going on with my printing mill. There was a there was an issue with. Uh, I was just printing my new new issue uh, at the time and uh, the office in Korea uh, called me and they were like you have to come back or else we're not going to be able to print it on time so I, like I sort of scratched right in the middle of it but I was on track <laughs> yeah let's, let's talk on please don't go deep on that yeah, we know we all know that this is an excuse that's we all know that this is an excuse mm-hmm. so go ahead <laughs> All right, you got me there. But yeah, yeah, I, I was breaking. Yeah, no. Come on. Uh, but to be honest with you, I'm not talking about this race because uh, event because because uh, we've been a media sponsor for this uh, race for the last three years, and we're no okay. longer a media partner. Even though we're, I, I still feel like we're good friends, and there's you know I just I felt like uh, you know I because I, I I saw a great potential. Uh, about this race or this event because japan is uh is quite safe to ride in to be honest with you and um uh, uh the cars do actually take notice of cyclists and and you know they don't really you know they're mo- most of the time they're very very polite 
and you know japan is 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 not a third world country as you know and it's you know google map works out there and uh uh also uh it's quite densely populated so that if you are a a beginner in this genre of cycling it's sort of like it's even though the riding itself is very very tough you you'll like you'll never have problem feeding yourself or finding a place to sleep okay you know so it's it's sort of easier in that regard, but but you know the riding itself is really really tough. Like mountains in Japan are quite mean. So, but yeah, so I think it's a great. Yeah, I can tell you that I would ask you a lot of more questions mm -hmm. about uh, the uh, the Japanese Odyssey. It's pretty interesting. Also, I heard about it the first time from my friend Gregory. Mm -hmm who is the guy that I interviewed already, is a friend of mine in Berlin, and he was planning to do it last year, but I think that because of work, he could not do it. Mm -hmm. But probably the best thing that we can do, you can give me the contacts of your friends' organizers sure, so I can sure. interview yeah. them here. Definitely because do. this would be a great story also for me. Yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, Emmanuel, he's, you know, he's, <laughs> it's hard to put him on the spot. It's, you know, he's, he's, he's quite, yeah, he's quite uh, you know, soft-spoken and, uh, you know, Sometimes he, he can come across as shy and everything, but, but he's got great passion for this event. And, you know, my, my approach was that let's make this, let's like really, really blow this thing up and um, make it a, a very like sponsor heavy event. And the idea was just keep it really, really small time. And uh, yeah, uh, he wants to keep it so that, you know, the, the you know it's it's never a race so he he stresses that part a lot so it's not about competing against each other although you know the right i have to i have to i have to let people know this is not a, an, an easy event but but um I, I i you sort of build this camaraderie with the people that you that you rode with so it's a, it's a very very friendly environment you know it's never about you know being that number one guy or anything like that and it's very it's a very low-key event it's it's wonderful you sh you know you should definitely check it out yeah. yeah 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 it sounds like really the same spirit that is behind the torino nice let's start all together let's arrive from torino to nice so from a to b and nobody wins it's just about the experience and the relation that you are building up with the people that are riding with you and that's amazing yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, this comes to another question that I wanted to ask you. It sounds like from your stories and from your answer here um, that you're not really, uh, I don't want to say comfortable, but keen on uh, uh, camping outside, bikepacking, coffee outside, this kind of adventurous world. Do you feel maybe a bit more comfortable on sleeping in small hotels or finding uh, places to eat, uh, let's say, a bit more comfortable or... Am I making a mistake here? I like both. Um, okay, okay. If I really need to be efficient. Um, you know, I don't find shame in finding a hotel or a motel or a BNB uh, and really, you know, um, I take advantage of the bed and hot breakfast. Um, okay. But I also love, love being lost in remote places. Um, I, I love it because I, I you know, I, I feel like I'm completely disconnected from the rest of the world and you're so it's, it's sort of meditational. Like, you know, you, 
you know, I don't want to say that word, but you sort of do to to find yourself in these environments. You you sort of like rediscover yourself, and and it doesn't really have to be about rediscovery. I mean, it's just it's just it's just sort of healing. It it sort of heals you when you're out there. You know, all these things that stressed you on a on a routine basis, like all these things that you know sort of made you like uh angry or nervous or you know these things sort of fade away and you can really really enjoy yourself being worry free for the time being and i think that's i mean it's really hard to find that nowadays in the in 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 these modern living conditions so yeah it's for that for that reason i i like to to bike pack um sleep in tents and um feed myself uh using my own cooking utensils and and enjoy coffee once in a while yeah so yeah cool great cool uh i think that we actually exploded completely our points here but i want still to make a couple of questions Mm -hmm. that are in my list Mm -hmm. the first one is about inspiration i was reading around about you uh, and also we had the chat uh, towards the gravel or whatever. And I know that you are, especially when you are commuting, you listen to some podcasts. Yes, I do. I do listen to uh, a podcast. So I just want to put something in this podcast. So in my story and in my recording, uh, a bit of competition, let's say. Tell me which one are the cycling podcasts that you like the oh, most. Oh, Broomwagon for sure. It's definitely on the top of the list. Yeah, thank you, man. But honestly, I don't... I sort of like unsubscribe to all these cycling podcasts that I've been listening to, to be honest with you. Like I, I listen to news, like, and I listen to podcasts, uh, that are for, that are about print publications more so than others. So yeah. Uh, but I do subscribe to Broom Wagon for sure. And I used to listen to like Rafa cycling podcast. Sometimes I used to listen to like, uh, cycling podcasts that are about performance and uh, you know the podcasts that are all about making you a better cyclist I, I actually sort of unsubscribe to all of them because okay yeah I can tell you that for my uh, so if we can talk I don't know if you listen to that okay I also I only listen to one podcast mm-hmm. in this period about cycling that is the Explore is the name it's kind of a spin-off of the cycling podcast it's really cool mm-hmm. uh but this is really the only one. From time to time, I listen to the cycling tips because I like the characters and I like mm-hmm. people that talk about that. But I also listen only to news kind of podcasts or stories kind of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that for me, the greatest discovery that I got last year is a podcast from the New York Times and it's Caliphate. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Okay, I should, I don't should know check it out. I, I've, uh, um, and um, I know, I, know um, I met this guy uh while i was riding across uh canada uh and uh the friend that i was telling you about while we were going home while he was going home and while i was tagging along across canada in the winter and we had some like mechanical problems and you know you know when you're riding like every day uh and you you know you know you're chasing the kms and stuff like that you know uh 
stopping by a bike shop and, and getting a, a proper mechanical services is a luxury. So, you know, we're like, man, you know, this is a, this is it's a problem that we can live with for a few more days. We'll just like, we'll just go and, and, and take care of it later. And we'll think about it later. And this guy, Dustin uh, from Winnipeg in Canada, he sort of reached out to us on, um, uh, on uh, Instagram, he knew that we were coming his way and he sort of like messaged us to, to, to stop by his shop and get our bike service and stuff like that. So we actually did and he gave us free service and, and this shop was really, really nice. You know, all of our problems were solved and and this actually solved my friend's knee problem because, you know, his seat post had to get cut and stuff. So. You know, it was all very, very great. But this guy, Dustin, who invited us to his shop, actually runs a podcast called Bike Shop Boyfriend. Wow. And my friend, Cal, who was actually riding home, was on one of the episodes talking about our ride in Canada. So I should definitely give him a shout out. Um, yeah, it's, it's called Bike Shop Boyfriend. I should, now that I think about it, I should subscribe to this. And Dustin, if you're look, uh, listening, I'm sorry, but I am subscribing now. So yeah, yeah, I, I think I think yeah, it's, you should check it out. I haven't really been. Okay, I got it. Bike shop boyfriend. Uh, it's podcast. bike shop BF podcast. Shop, yes, yeah. yes, Dustin White. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna listen to that as well, and probably we'll reach him. He's a good dude, man. Yeah. He helped us out. It's really fine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, you were riding some three Ts there, right? Yeah, we were riding three T Stratas, and these are fast, fast bikes. I think three T Strata was probably the fastest bike that I've ever ridden on flats. Okay, that's a great thing. So, so it's a very aero, aero, um, uh, road bike. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's good to know actually because okay, for now I have the Explorer and it's okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna say anything else. I'm not thinking about not buying a new bike. I'm not thinking about buying a new bicycle. I'm not thinking about buying a new bike. So I have to repeat this really often, otherwise I'm gonna buy a new bicycle. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um still talking about bike packing and bicycle adventure, and then I think I will let you free because we are talking for a long time. Sure. Uh tell me because I've been reading, riding, uh, I've been reading a lot about bikepacking in Korea, and uh, mm. I have a friend of mine. She went to Korea from Milan last summer, and she made an amazing route out there. Mm. Can you tell me which one is your? If you were to suggest mm -hmm. to somebody, example to me, a bikepacking route to do in Korea, do you have something? I in have mind? a route. I, I have a few uh, routes that I can suggest, but. On the top of my list is this route called, okay, so in Korean it's called Untan Kodo, uh, and the literal tra uh, the translation is, um, uh, shoot, it's going to be very tough. But anyhow, <laughs> this route, this route is, is um, historically this route was used to, to transport coals from the coal mines to the nearby villages. And the route sort of follows the ridge line of this uh, mountain on the eastern coast of Korea. And Korea is actually very mountainous, so if you're a mountain biker, it's you know it's a good place to come visit for mountain biking. Uh, and the gravel riding is, is gaining a little bit of popularity, but not so much. AJ in general is a bit late to catch up on this uh, 
gravel ride craze, so to say. But um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, you have to ride your gravel bike or your mountain bike, but it's definitely doable on a gravel bike. I've done it on 32s, Cs, uh, but I think having on fatter tires is probably better because you're going to be hitting some rocky bits and stuff like that. But um, it's it's amazing. First of all, it's historically uh, interesting. Uh, and because the road was built to lug around coals and stuff like that, it's it's quite it's quite forgiving. It's easy. I don't want to say easy. There are some sketchy bits, but um, you know it's okay. And then you can actually camp uh, along the side of these trails, but you can't cook there. Um, but I think I guess boiling water for coffee is okay, you know. But um, yeah, the, the whole whole route can be. Uh, well, the the gravel ride. So you have to actually, if say you if you're taking public transportation, if you're taking a train, for instance, from Seoul because that's where most cyclists live, from Seoul to to Eastern Coast, you you have to take a train, and then right out of the out of the train station, you can ride your bike, and you will climb for about thirteen hundred meters. You climb, but on asphalt. So you climb, 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 and get to the top of the get to a peak and then you sort of like uh, drop into this trail and then you'll ride for about say say uh, 660k of gravel okay and then uh, and then then you can sort of uh, get out of this trail or uh, ride a little bit longer in the mountains and then and then get out of the trail get back on the tarmac and then ride back to the train station i think this could be like a, a two-day trip with just one day one night of camping uh quite accessible from so uh, it's called untan kodo and uh the, you know i could give you <laughs> i could give you the route uh, uh, i could probably give you a strava link or Komoot link yeah um, do it for me so I will put it in the description sure, of this episode sure. because that, I, that everybody wants to do it now yeah exactly have you written uh, have you written did you write about it in one of your uh, volumes I, or? I actually have not I actually have written about uh, a few different uh, bikepacking routes in, in Korea in the magazine but not about this one because this wasn't long enough uh, yeah, I, I thought this was you know, it's just only a two-day trip, but uh, it's probably one of the more enjoyable bikepacking routes uh, slash gravel route that I can suggest in Korea. Yeah. Uh, if uh, anybody is visiting here, uh, just <laughs> message me through Instagram so that I can sort of like show these people. You know, uh, I'm willing to show anybody who is willing to come visit and do this ride. I'm willing to do it any day. So, yeah. Yeah, actually, that's the point, man. That's the time, actually. Put, so tell to everybody here where people can find you or if you want to advertise something, something oh. that is your oh, space yeah, now. Take your time, yeah. speak free. The highlight of our magazine. Okay, so we have a website. Uh, the URL is F-A-R-R-I-D-E-M-A-G.com. This is where you can find our magazines. You can buy them here. Um and you can send me an email uh, through the contact page, or you can find us on Instagram. The Instagram handle is F A R R I D E M A G, Far Right Mag. So you can find us there and send us a DM. Uh, 
we are not uh, the quickest ones <laughs> to to reply to our uh, DMs, but uh, you know, we, we 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 will give it an effort. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, great. Sagan, it was really a pleasure to talk with you. It was really a pleasure great. to talk to you as well. We should definitely um, get together in, in the near future and really do a ride together. Maybe you should come on one of those, uh, one of the, the far ride um, trips. I have an idea in mind for you. Yeah. And probably it's better for me to tell you off records. And for sure, I would love to join. Definitely let me know. We're looking for ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. No, I have a great idea because I'm going to tell you sure, later on, sure. just after this red button, nobody has to listen to my projects here. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm spreading my ideas all around, so it's not a problem. And uh, yeah, we will talk soon, soon, soon. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Ciao, Sagan. Bye. And thanks, Sagan, and for the great talk and the great geeking on really, on papers, on pictures, on... Uh, fonts and graphic identity, visual identity of a, of a magazine, something completely new, but amazingly fascinating uh, for me. And uh, thanks for to you people, because really, if you reach the point arriving at the time that we started talking about really traveling on the bicycle, you are really brave. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you like content like this, just give me a shout, write me hello at calamaro.cc, uh, calamaro.cc on Instagram and Facebook, read Calamaro on Twitter. Twitter. Uh, and then I will know that you also like not only 350% content only related to bicycle, but also to something else. A tiny bit, a tiny bit. Obviously, the fundament of this podcast will always be the bicycle and traveling with the bicycle. I swear on that. I will not do a podcast called Broom Vagon with another topic. I swear. Well, what else to say? Uh, yeah, I told you already my contact. You know that you can find this podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. Please, as I was saying, resolution for the new year is going to be rate this podcast. However, you can do it. Please do it. It's good things for all of us. And please share it with everybody. Thanks to the 3T people. And hopefully this coming days even if i'm having a look outside of my windows today is tuesday exactly today is the day that i'm publishing this episode and it's snowing god's sake so yeah i will try to take out my uh, 3t explorer with a brand new wtb sendero and i will smash the bad weather over there so for everybody of you good continue of the week good tuesday to everybody and we'll talk to you next week bye